the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To disrupt what was currently being offered in the investment advisory world as far as financial advice goes. I looked at the other side of the fence and said, I don't want to be anything like that. I don't want to be a broker. I don't want to be an advisor who sells things on commissions. I don't want to be someone who hurts someone. Um, I didn't want to disrupt as much as I wanted to, to bring a, a genuine, kind, and passionate approach to financially being savvy and trying to get ahead. I saw my father work till the day he died. That still bothers me. My dad died at 58, way too young, cancer, right? But at 52, he had a massive heart attack, which probably gave him another six years of good life because that's when they found the cancer. So as I approached 50, I'm like, whoa, I need to start thinking about some of this stuff. It gets kind of down. And then the COVID kind of hits and you're like, whoa, COVID's been a blessing for me on some levels. And on some levels, it's been pretty horrible. I've got to know my loved ones better and more personally and intimately than ever before. And I love them. That's a good thing to say. The divorce rates are spiking in COVID as people find out they don't love each other. Interesting, right? And my advice on divorce is consider mediation. There's no sense in two people getting lawyers and hating each other for the, an eventual split. Just so you could say you were right. She cheated on me. He cheated on me emotionally. He cheated on, like, it, get a mediator. Save ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. In my opinion... I know some lawyers are bristling right now, like, oh, well, you just probably killed a person. No, these people actually used to love each other. Try to find that again as you, what was uh, Gwen, 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 um, Gwen and Chris Martin's uh, conscious separation, conscience separation? Ooh, it just sounds awful. Anyway, one of my favorite movies is an inspiration to me right now. Rewatching it's kind of tough. Cameron Crowe's uh, directorial debut had a character in it, Lloyd Dobler. Lloyd Dobler is probably one of my characters that influenced me. He would say things like one of his great quotes is, You must chill. You must chill. And that means wigging out has never accomplished anything. And it's really obnoxious to people that you're around if you're a spaz. Breathe deep, stay calm, think clear. Meditation has turned me from someone who was anxious in my 30s to much, much more chill. At one point in time in the movie, there was a quote, there's no food in your food. I agree with that. So it's uh, during the coronavirus, COVID lockdown, I've lost nine pounds. And then I started getting psycho crazy on myself. I'm like, I wonder if I lost 20 pounds of muscle and I've put on 10 pounds of fat. Like that's a net negative, right? So I can't even be happy at this point in time because I still have that anxiety thing going on. I work really, really hard to get you into retirement. That's my goal. 
in say anything Lloyd Dobler once said, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything, bought or processed, or buy anything, sold or processed, or process anything, sold, bought or processed, or repair anything, sold, bought or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. These are crazy times in society. Try to do what you love. Try to love the people that you love. Um, what makes time fly? It's knowing that it's your heart that you're, you're not answering phones or delivering pizzas or doing whatever hustle you have to just to remain, you know, pertinent. I know we can't all do that. Uh, two more quotes from the movie. Why can't you be in a good mood? How hard is it to decide to be in a good mood and be in a good mood once in a while? I think there's a lot to be said for our emotions, and one of them is optimism. And I don't want you just to be in a good mood and enjoy the, the day in a stupid kind of way. I want you to be in a good mood and be optimistic. There's a lot to like in these current situations. There's still some horrible things going on. I, I, I've done the math. I haven't done the math, but don't we always have something horrible every couple years? Whether it's terrorism or recessions or depressions or horrible dictators destroying their people's health or COVID or Ebola. Isn't there always something? So try not to get too caught up in this. Okay, okay. Final quote was nobody thinks it will work, do they? Talking about a relationship Lloyd Dollar had with Diane Court. And he says to her, she says, Nobody thinks it'll work. Her she's a smart Ivy League girl and he's kind of a kickboxing guy. And he goes, No. You just described every great success story. A lot of great small businesses are going to fail right now. And the next six months, a lot of great small businesses are going to rise out of the ashes and offer something new to the society. It's goofy and stupid, but my mind's always doing goofy and stupid things. I was hanging out with some neighbors doing that happy hour, six feet, 12 feet apart kind of thing. And I might have had an alcoholic adult beverage. I had a ticket for one, so I used it. And I'm feeling pretty good. And one of the funny ideas that I threw out, I like trying to make people laugh. I said, we should go on Shark Tank and um, come up with a business plan of like really attractive dogs or really attractive children that people could rent so they can walk around the neighborhood with their really attractive dog. And everyone would go, oh, I didn't know Rob had a really attractive dog. Or maybe a wife that's like 30 years younger. Oh, I didn't know you married really young. Ooh, interesting. And just try to find the positives right now. You know, your whole life you've looked at a company like Disney and said, I wish I could own that. You can. You can now own one half of one share. Robin Hood will let you do it. Charles Schwab will let you do it. You can now own stocks. There's no barrier to entry. And the best time to buy your great favorite stocks are when everyone else is selling them. Can you not find optimism in that? Now, if you think Disneyland and Disney World is going to be covered in vines and that, that Reese monkeys and gorillas are going to be like uh, taking over and talking, probably not a great time to buy Disney. But again, that goes into that optimism, pessimism, being happy, being sad <coughs> kind of thing. Try to find some positives. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com, to talk about the economy, to talk about the stock market, maybe some of the things that he's seeing out there. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you. So what's the, the vibe out there from week to week? Um, well, maybe month to month, we're seeing kind of a big psychological change. Where are we at these days in the markets? Well, there's no question there's been a, a psychological change, and um, uh, it's been perplexing in, in, in some respects because you obviously, <laughs> excuse me, you can see in the behavior of the stock market that it's, it's uh uh, disconnected in a sense from what the fundamental economic reality on the ground is right now. And the only way I think that one can reconcile that performance is is uh, based on the assessment that the, you know, the stock market is not worried about so much how bad things are today uh, as it's encouraged by how much better they can get in the months ahead. And uh, and kind of bridging the divide between now and then is the faith in the Fed put uh, and the development efforts toward discovering a vaccine for COVID-19. And those have been two very uh, strong supportive influences here uh, that have continued to help prop up stock prices. Um, but, you know, we do contend that at, at this level where you're pricing in and what, you know, okay, if you, if you accept forward 12-month earnings estimates, you're at about 20, almost 21 times forward 12-month earnings estimates, uh, which certainly seems rich in light of what's going on around us. And so I think you're going to continue to see now the market sort of have this bit of a a tug of war, if you will, between the optimism of reopening and the pessimism about, you know, valuation and the idea that a lot of that good news has already been priced in. So you can kind of probably see a market chop around now here in the trading range for a bit. It's interesting times, to say the least. And I saw a quote that I think was after we talked last week that market strategists hate this bull market that we're seeing because it doesn't, there's a disconnect. And then, you know, we know earnings are probably going to get worse before they, well, they're going to get worse before they get better, and job numbers are still getting bad. Uh, but I also saw a report this week that said buy in May, because that's when the rally is going to come, because that's when you least expect it. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. We know there's stimulus out there, and it, it just gets confusing trying to market time this, uh, because sometimes you almost want to be counterintuitive, because you know everyone knows it's going to be awful out there. Uh, does that make any sense, and where do you fall on that conspiracy theory of mine that maybe we do buy in May because it makes no sense and wait for the well, question of the fall? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to respect the the risk of buying in May. You know? Perfect. Well said. Uh, and, uh, and the reason, you know, really the reason I say it is because there are, you know, other reports out there in terms of fund flows that um, that suggest that, you know, uh, large money managers are still underexposed to this market and still sitting on a lot of cash. And there's certainly a large contingent of market participants out there that see that as a contrarian type of indicator. And uh, that's why you hear expressions uh, such as the pain trade, and that the pain trade in this instance is to the upside because there's a lot of people, uh, including um, the, the one you're talking to, who are finding it very hard to believe that the market continues just to trade up and through all of the the 
the bad news and and uh, what we see really is the likelihood that while the news will get you know relatively better in the coming months it's not likely to be good and so we think the market's come too far too fast pricing in that that idea uh, but nonetheless um, you know, when you see a market continue to be resilient in the face of bad news and continue to see these mega cap stocks go up day after day, uh, there's a fear of missing out that kicks in for money managers who, you know, don't want to underperform benchmarks and uh, as well as for just, you know, regular uh, individual investors who, um, you know, who understand that this market uh, coming out of the 2008-2009 financial crisis uh, went a long way uh, riding uh, the Fed put and, uh, and is probably, you know, banking on, uh, on that continuing to be the case uh, as we come out of this experience. So taking a look at some of the data that we're now getting, ADP is saying it's going to be rough out there. They're a payroll company. The jobs number on Friday, we know it's going to be bad. Uh, some have suggested we to hit 20%, as high as 25, maybe 15. It's tough to put a finger on it, but what do you expect from the jobs report and maybe the market reaction? Because it seems like it's going to be headline scary coming up. There's no question. I mean, the headlines are going to be awful uh, surrounding this report. Uh, and, and the ADP report we saw out today, you know, suggested as much, right? right. Uh, but of course, the market reaction has been uh, pretty muted all things considered, uh, and actually pretty good uh, in the face of such a really bad number. Um, and that, again, goes back to this idea that the market is it knows this was going to be bad. It knows on Friday things are going to be bad. And uh, and, and yet it thinks things are, are just going to get progressively better, you know, month after month from here. Um, that'll be true to a certain extent, right? Um, when you're coming off of such a depressed base, everything is going to look pretty good. You know, you can I can hear the campaign cry now going in front of that election that, you know, the third quarter could potentially be the strongest growth on record, right? But you're coming off of what might be, uh, you know, an annualized decline of somewhere of 30 to 40 percent in the second quarter. So I would hope it would be the strongest growth on record in the third quarter. You know, we could all hope for that. Um, but there's a caveat, there's an asterisk attached to that. And as, I think as it relates specifically as we look at the employment picture here, um, you know, if you see a, you know, mid to high teens or even a low 20 percent type of unemployment rate, uh, that's clearly terrible. Uh, going from 20 percent to 10 percent is really good, but 10 percent itself is still really bad. And I think that that's the reality that's going to be coming to the market here in coming months is that, you know, when you see such high levels of unemployment, you're going to continue to see subpar levels of consumer spending and subpar levels of growth, all things considered. And, and then the market will have to reconsider its, uh, its valuation perspective at that, at that point. So you kind of get away with things here, I think, for, for a few months, certainly levitating at these higher levels. But, you know, in our estimation, I think the reality, the fundamental reality is going to become apparent here in coming months as well, that the market is, uh, is probably ahead of itself here in, in looking for um, some really robust, truly robust economic activity that's good in an absolute sense and not necessarily in just a relative sense. So you know, the work that you're putting together right now, what do you see as maybe the next set of things for us to focus on? 
we've had our cancellation of big events. We've had our stimulus. We've had uh, a lot of things line up. The Federal Reserve say unlimited bazooka. We'll do whatever we need to to support cash flows of companies. What What's next on the agenda? Just kind of live and let die, kind of stand around and wait. What do you see? Well, we'll be the, you know, the reaction and the response to these reopening efforts across the country. Okay. Um, you know, how quickly do things come back? Um, you know, do they, you know, prove uh, people like me wrong, you know, in suggesting that we're not going to see a V-shaped economic recovery? So that's, you know, that's one component. And then, of course, as you roll through the summer months uh, and those fall months approach, uh, based on what, you know, we're hearing from scientific experts right now, um, you're you know, we're likely to see a reemergence of COVID-19 in a big way. And, and what, what happens then? Where are we at that point? You know, a lot of unanswered questions, uh, but that's certainly looming out there um, uh, and could be a force to be reckoned with, not only because of just what the health impact could be, but obviously what the economic impact could be and what the political impact could be of the economy shutting down again right in front of the election got a couple minutes left. I always like to leave the last few minutes to you to give us insights, softball pitch, so to speak. What are you working on? You have a big uh, column that comes out on Fridays, the big picture for briefing.com. I always like to draw upon that, but again, balls in your court. Any thoughts? Well, um, it will most likely revolve around uh, the employment picture. Um, it kind of just it lends itself to that right now uh, because we have that big employment report on Friday. But uh, it's not just the report itself, but it's how the market reacts to it. And we've talked a little bit about that today, Rob. And, and um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that'll likely be the focal point for this week's big picture column. Um, and uh, and it'll take some some serious thoughts certainly because uh, there's going to be a lot of really bad data and and it's going to be a report unlike anything you know I've ever seen or or pretty much anyone's ever seen in their lifetime and we'll have to see how the market reacts to it. It's interesting times because I checked my net worth in the last week and I'm like it's not that bad of a year for me. Um, I've recovered a lot, but psychologically I know it is for a lot of people. And again, I think some of the news gets worse before it gets better, and it's tough for me to say, I thought we would, I would be worse off now. Uh, but anyway, thanks so much for joining me, and um, good luck, and stay uh, attentive, and let's get through this. It's a dramatic story to cover, a dramatic story to be living through. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. That's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. His Friday column is a great column. Something that started happening on the Internet in the last couple of years is when there's an article like at a Barron's or the Wall Street Journal, they tell you if it's a one-minute read or a three-minute read or a five-minute read. Um, Patrick O'Hare's Friday's work is its like a five, ten-minute read, and it's good. It's solid stuff that gives you a lot of insights into the markets and the economy. You can find them at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Boy, there's just a lot of confusing images in the world today. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, but to see the president at a COVID-19 or at a 90, N95 mask factory where the people walking with them weren't wearing masks and the people that were walking around were wearing masks, it's just a conflicted image. And I think that has to be affecting you and your portfolios, in your portfolio health and your psychology on investing. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. 20.2 million jobs were lost in April, double the last recession. Wow. The payroll provider ADP said the declines in April were so widespread and left hardly any sector of the economy untouched. That sounds about right. Keep in mind, uh, different recessions, like when you saw a financial crisis, you saw a lot of bankers lose jobs. I know, I know, no one's going to cry for the bankers. Um, But this is more perverse. It's more widespread. Oil's rebound stalled today, finally, after storage tanks keep filling up. Good news and bad news. Got a lot of oil to burn off when the economy starts to open back up that we won't need to pay for. But if we had more storage space now and the storage space wasn't as expensive as the cost of storing it, you get the idea. Snap's winning streak. Snap has been a huge, huge winner during COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. The question is, did it introduce you to a cute messaging platform where you could take silly photos with your kids and dog ears during the uh, pandemic that gives them one moment of joy in an otherwise world torturing them? I don't know. Uh, Snap has never been my kind of play. It's too much of a, a civil war. Sides line up on both sides and they hate each other. Citigroup analyst Jason Bazinet believes investors have gotten too enthusiastic, saying the stock's up too far too fast, and it's near its peak historical valuation. It, it, it brings up questions like um, uh, psychologically, is this a one and done, or is this an introduction to, to the product? And then I... I, I I've got a niece, nephew, cousin, niece, niece. I'm bad at family trees. Bad, 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 bad at family trees. My family tree is an ugly tree. And uh, at the top sits me. And every time I fall off, I hit another ugly branch on the way down, right? Um, My question about Snap, and again, this is just me being a couple minutes behind modern times. And my niece is, she's obsessed with TikTok and TikTok's a Chinese app, and some Americans won't put it on their phones because they're afraid China's spying on them. But TikTok's growing intelligently, smartly, and maybe they have a secret sauce that Snap won't, but they seem to be lining up for head-to-head competition between the two. Eh, I can't get all excited about that, so I stay away from it. To me, that's getting sucked into a, a civil war. Electronic Arts stock fell after they reported earnings expect or after they reported earnings, not earnings expectations, but earnings. Company said Apex Legends was the most downloaded free-to-play game in 2019 on the PlayStation 4, but did not provide any more details on it. <laughs> We're not Fortnite is essentially what Wall Street's reading into that. Rival Activision Blizzard launched a competing title, Call of Duty Warzone, which competes with Apex Legends, which is an electronic arts property. And eh, I'm a casual gamer at this point in time. And, you know, having kids, they're more uh, social gamers. Um, I can't get into the Call of Duty Warzone. I can't get like 
it's almost too much. I don't need to be that realistic in a time where there's a lot of realism in my face. So Fortnite's still an okay escape. We'll see. Activision Blizzard stock goes up. Electronic Arts stock goes down. If you've listened to the show for a year, you knew that was the case. That Activision's the better position of the two. Um, IPOs from last year that should be maybe of interest to people. Uh, one of the things that you do when the economy goes bad, when the stock market becomes agitated, is you start changing your list of stocks that you want to buy. Or you refresh it is a better way of saying it. There's $1.5 trillion of cash being held by private equity firms right now. You've got Warren Buffett sitting on $128 billion. Apple sitting on $100 billion plus. These are, for a couple of these companies and a couple of these situations, these are record levels of cash. And sometimes cash, it burns a hole in your pocket, right? So a lot of last year's IPOs that have probably been born at the wrong time, as far as publicly traded companies like Beyond Meat, suddenly will become a little bit more interesting, potentially, to people that have cash to deploy, we still haven't seen a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Although, I'll be honest, we've seen some good things. Skyworks is a semiconductor company that basically said good things for the wireless communication semiconductor world already this week. So you can you look for your clues in a little way. A clue could be a major merger, a major acquisition. It could be a major bankruptcy. Um, it could be something like Disney's quarterly profit tumbles 93%. I used to be mean to Disney when I was doing radio in the 1990s. I'm like, what a piece of poop company. Do you remember in the 1980s, in the late 80s and the early 90s, when Mickey Mouse would come on TV and go, Oh, hey, kids, uh, we're releasing Cinderella on DVD. And Mickey would hawk Cinderella on DVD. Mickey would hawk Cinderella on Laserdisc. Mickey would hawk Cinderella on VHS. And you'll get a free sticker if you order it today. In the 90s, you're like, come on, stop playing our kids. And then you kind of soften, and you're like, oh, I get it. You're a brand that can pull out Cinderella because, as a little girl, my wife played Cinderella. And she wants to do Cinderella with her little girl kind of thing. You get the idea. I'm I'm digressing massively. But we went from evil company that makes money, has a rate called the money rake, to down 93%. Maybe that's, that's as bad as it gets for them, and you feel a little bit of pity. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.